Hello. Good evening, Fixer, and Happy New Year to you. Same to you, mate. Merry Christmas, and uh, hope all our listeners to I Like the Cut of Your Jib had a wonderful Christmas and an enjoyable New Year. Yeah, indeed, mate. It um, seems to have come and gone quite quickly, really, after as big a build-up as what it usually gives us, mate. But we uh, managed to uh, we actually managed to catch up a couple of times, and we and we snuck through relatively unscathed. We did. It was a um, I was actually saying to one of my mates the other day, it's one of the better catch-ups I've had back in Wang with the quality of uh, your friends, well, on, on your fair few of them as well, which helped, but uh, blokes that you don't usually get to catch up with during the year, it was a bloody good night. It was an elite gathering, um, yeah, particularly as the um, clock ticked into the AM hours. Um, we We certainly developed... A strong storytelling angle, um, and you know you were uh, there was no better exponent than yourself at that, mate. But um, and even due to some of the guys who unfortunately couldn't make it, I, I was a little bit. Um, I'm not glad that they weren't there, but given the state of my body the day after, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, you. Um, uh, for those listeners that weren't aware, we had organised a uh, catch up with our friends over at the Chili Dippers. Uh, around a golf over at Black Bull, and uh, there was definitely a noticeable absentee from the I like the cut of your jib crew, which uh, it didn't go down that well with the organizer over there. Nah, no, he, he likes to be on top of things and likes to have complete control. And when things weren't quite panning out the way he'd hoped, uh, he didn't quite take to his liking. But look, in fairness, um, I just thought I'd stick to script. Um, you know, 2.30 in the taxi on the way home with yourself and, and my next-door neighbour who who uh, featured quite prominently. Um, yep. You know, everything's sweet and, yeah, no worries, you'll be right, no worries, but you know me better than that and there was never a chance that I was going to make that goal. Oh, I, had you, I had you before the night started at dollar <laughs> not to show up, so <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was super confident. Um, yeah. We went over there and uh, I handled the, the responsibilities of doing... Uh, actually appeared on their podcast. Uh, right, yep. Got to look at the inner workings. And yep. uh, they run a pretty uh, different audio sort of setup to what we do. Obviously, it was, it was, that was very well organised and um, and yeah. we had a bit of fun there and obviously appearing on that probably boosts their ratings as well, which um, they've had to resort to stealing segments off us and uh, justifying yeah. it by saying the legal team's happy with it. Well... The legal team will be in contact with them at some stage, but um... that's right. And given the the operation that we run, I can I'm pretty confident that our legal team's a lot stronger than theirs because we need it. Yeah, we're so... reg- regularly in touch with our legal team. <laughs> <laughs> that was a it was a cracking day. We had uh, uh, the the people that uh, listen to our show will hear us refer to the Chili Dippers, which is uh, Luke Clark and Dave Ralston do a golf podcast, which is uh, quite enjoyable. We went out and played around and. Um, over Black Bull there and had an absolute ball there. How'd you hit him, Fix? Uh, actually, pretty well. I actually carried rolls for a, a small part of the... Uh, we played a bloke, a ring-in, took your spot, and uh, yep. Rolls and I played against Clarkie in the um, the ring-in, and yeah. we gave him a few extra shots, and it was all pretty tight heading down to the last couple of holes, and um, the old M2 driver came out and smacked it. <laughs> Back-to-back <laughs> holes. And the, you brought the big boy out. The sphincters tightened right up on the opposition and they, <laughs> they went to pass. And, uh, how's, 
Black Bull looking. I I was there. I must admit, I was there, and oh, this is going back a few years. Um, and it hadn't actually been completed the course, so that that shows how long ago it was. But uh, I haven't been back there since. Is it in good nick? Oh, it's a magnificent course. Um, yeah. I was the same as you. I played there, and I think they might have had thirteen holes open. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, and thought it looked okay. Um, but then went back when it was fully completed and was very surprised last year and then um, visiting it again over this break. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a top 50 course, I've got a feeling. Yeah, it seems to, I'm just listening to the Chili Dippers, they, they say it, depending on, you know, how it, uh, advanced that list is, it, it's winding in um, fairly consistently, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's it's really nice course, and um, we got beautiful weather, and um, we had a really enjoyable day actually. Uh, even yeah. though one of the uh, competitors used illegal golf balls. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you willing to um, name any names here, or yeah, David Emerald. Initial initials, yeah, David. No, no, okay, even worry about initials. <laughs> um, we don't want to digress into their sort of forum, but. Um, I wasn't happy with it and uh, mentioned it several times to him and the victory did um, have a bit of the gloss knocked off with yeah. that. Uh, well, that's, that's disappointing for him to sort of, um, you know, go into that realm. I think he's probably better than that, isn't he? Or he probably isn't. No, he isn't. No, no, it's just stock standard. Uh, he's, happy, very well. <laughs> he's happy to bend rules as far as he can. Oh, dear. Yeah, but yeah. if any anyone from the Black Bulls listening, mate, we'd we'd love a free round over there next time you're up, and um, yeah, we'll have a bit of a bash. It'd be good. Yep, we'll have a, a little bit better preparation uh, the night before, and <laughs> yeah. just make sure we all front up, which should be good. Yeah, we did. Go. We did one of the more enjoyable things we did do on the break um, was get to interview Wayne Grader Rovers, well, legend. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, Rob Walker, which was thoroughly enjoyable. It was, mate. It was one we'd been speaking about for quite a while. Um, and we uh, we teed up the interview. Um, and, you know, you and I have known Rob for, for quite some time. We both played footy with him. Um, one of the great blokes, uh, you know, footy ability aside, he's one of the great blokes you'll meet. But just to sit down with him and in a really casual sort of forum, um, just to hear him sort of dissect his own footy career it was unbelievable really yeah. wasn't it just to listen to to um even the thinking thinking processes of, of how we went about it that was the thing that stood out to me and um you know i don't know what the listener's impression was but um it, it was no fluke that he was a superstar no nah. no nah, the feedback we got was every, everyone that i spoke to thoroughly enjoyed it and saw a different yeah. side and um I guess one of the things for me, like one of my mates listened to it and sent through a text and said, um, have you ever thought what you missed out on by moving away from Wayne? And at the yeah. time when you're playing with him, you you don't you, – we appreciated how good he was and yep. we enjoyed it, but you probably don't till you really get to the end of your career, look back and think, geez, we're lucky. We're privileged to play with a bloke like that, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> um, it stood out. Um, throughout that uh, interview, um, you know, we mentioned it a few times how humble he was, but he just, whenever you mention his his um, ability and, and how good he was, he always tries to defer the conversation to something else. Yeah, he, just, he cannot stand talking about himself um, uh, and, and, you know, pumping his own tyres up. Uh, yeah. And that's a measure of the sort of bloke he is. But, look, just to, to 
maybe gloss over one thing, or not gloss over it, but just to touch on one thing in his footy career. He was the only bloke, or one of one of the few guys you could kick to on a footy field, um, and he'd be seemingly one out and be confident that he'd get it. Yeah, you know, just being in his area. <laughs> average kick, average kicks look really good. Oh my god, he was a good player. Yeah, he's um, yeah. I suppose for, for the listeners that uh, aren't aware, or would have definitely would have heard of him, but just the aura and the presence he has. Like we were talking about it uh, a day or two after, and there's sort of a uh, without sort of really set, trying to sound too creepy about it. There's sort of a real love, a man love for Walks, isn't there? Yeah, just, like just when he. He walks in a room, grown men like us are like, oh, shit, buddy, he walks, he's here. And you, he's just got that aura about him that in his presence. You're just, um, you're just honoured to be around around him and talk to him, aren't you? You just feel good. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and it, there is a, like you touched on there, there is a sense of, gee, you blokes, you're right, you know, talking about him like that, but he's that kind of guy that um, you, you're just warm to him and he's just such a terrific bloke. Um, that it's um, yeah, it's great to be in his company. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely put some pressure on uh, the next of our interview series when we get to that stage. Cause, well, um, exactly right. It's a pretty good one. We started off with Higgsy, which uh, was very enjoyable, and we followed up the Robbie. So we're we're sort of putting it back ourselves into a bit of a corner. Well, we we do have some good ones uh, just in the pipeline, fix. So um, all the listeners out there, just be ready for something. We'll have something in the next. Maybe even a couple in the next month. We'll see how we go. Yep. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. And uh, just quickly, while we're, we're talking about stuff over the over the break, it was a pleasure to see uh, young Peter Rourke win our uh, Dean Jones and I Like the Cut of Your Jib members signed bat over Christmas. Yeah, Don't Balk the Rourke was the lucky winner um, yeah. as, a, as a very loyal listener. And um, he was, uh, as I actually spoke to him today, today being Monday, um, He's very still on cloud nine, um, in a little bit of a juxtaposition as to where he's going to mount it, um, how he's yep. going to let everyone have a look at it. But uh, very, very satisfied listener was Peter Rourke. Yep, and also to the couple of guys that won our um, beautifully designed hats there that um, we had on offer on Boxing Day as well, which was good. Absolutely. We're looking at um, perhaps getting a, another couple of um, apparel items uh, teed up as as the year goes by. So uh, all the listeners out there, just um, be ready for that when it comes up too. Yeah. Do you catch much of the Sydney Test, Roscoe? Well, I must admit I did, mate. I managed to uh, sneak away and, and take a fair bit of it in. And, gee, it was a fairly convincing performance, wasn't it, by the Aussies? Yeah. Yeah, three, three centuries and an innings victory. Is a, that's an absolute pantsing, isn't it? Yeah, it was probably um, significant of... of and it typified how England's summer went. Um, it, it by no means was a road on day one, but it was a reasonable crack. There was a little bit in it for the bowlers for Australia, but not a hell of a lot. Did you think that? I, I didn't think there was a heat. Like, a good bowler could could get a little bit of bite out of the track, but it was there was no real demons in it on day one. Well, it's one of the things that I wouldn't mind you asking about, because I think the whole series, uh, the tracks have been really benign and, and not conducive to good cricket. Yeah. Like, we always bag India and you go over there and make 600 and then they make 600 and then the next innings you make 500. And um, I just you sort of go back a few years, you look at Brisbane was always real green and grassy and lively yeah. on the first morning. 
Uh, Perth was always that real bouncy wicket and anything could happen over there. Yeah. Um, Adelaide's changed, obviously, now because of the, the day and night. That adds a different variant to the, the wicket as well as the test match. Yeah. Um, and Sydney was always a massive spinning wicket, but they sort of all just blended into real benign, um, bat, batting-friendly uh, pitches, which I, I don't think... I think people want to see the contest between bat and ball and... You know, the test goes into the fourth day and gets knocked over early. Well, so be it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were saying this is the first test series in Ashes history that all, every test match has gone to the fifth day. Yeah, right. Eh? There's, there's, yeah, there's been quite a few three and fours, haven't there, in recent yep. recent times. But I guess um, from a pitch perspective, there were glimpses in each test of, you know, you, you'd watch it for a little while and say, oh, here we go. You know, it's, the odd ball's keeping low now. This, maybe this is yep. how it's going to go. And then... There'd be nothing for another two or three sessions. Yeah. Um, there was a, as you mentioned, you know, a day-night test, which there's always going to be a little bit in the track at night, which um, Jimmy yeah. Anderson was good enough to exploit at that point. Um, the cracks started to come into it a little bit in Perth, but um, as cricket followers, we want a little bit of action, don't we? Like we don't we want to see the contest want, between yeah, bat and ball. We don't want to see players get injured. Um, due to terrible conditions. But um, I think that all the curators in Australia need to get their heads together with Cricket Australia and say, look, what what are we going to do? Let's, you know, in a time where they're, they're really... Uh, well, I don't want to preach too much, but in a time when they're trying to keep people watching Test Cricket, yeah. they've got to really examine how they're going about that. They can't just, oh, let's let's do day-night tests and, you know, that, that should get them back. I hope that fixes the problem, yeah. No, it's not. No, mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of drop-in wickets now that, um, uh, you know, I'm not a, a pitch expert. Everyone talks about it and sort of puts their two bobs worth in without being right across it, which is what we're doing at the moment. But <laughs> it, it just doesn't appear to me as there's that, that genuine contest between bat and ball and um, let's go out and uh, it's pretty flat, safe tracks. And yeah. I, don't know, I don't think it's that good for the game myself. No, what? I'd love to ask a curator. If there's any curators out there who know anything about it, please get in contact with us. But surely drop-in wickets can still have their own character. I might be completely off the beaten track here, but can drop-in wickets have a little bit of character? Can one drop-in wicket in one state have bounce and the other one have turn? Surely they can produce something a little bit different state to state. I don't know. I might be you know, off the beaten path, as I said. but Yeah. Um, oh, it's a it's a worthy question, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I didn't really get a, a full understanding in the series was whether uh, England were weak or Australia was strong yeah. or a combination of both. Yeah, I'd That's... probably err. I don't know about you, but I'd err on the side of England being weak. Yeah, that would be where I'd come at it. I think. I think um... without Stokes changing that bottom that tail didn't help. Yeah, they missed um, him terribly, didn't they? Yeah, but they were they were disappointing. And um, who would you give a pass mark to fix for the for the England squad for the five tests? Oh, there wouldn't be probably too many on on their form of the the previous twelve months. There's not too many that can walk away with a head high saying I came here and enhanced my reputation. Is it? No, I, I would probably think out of the whole squad. 
I would have thought Milan would be the only one who could say, well, I've probably improved a little bit and could hold down, um, you know, number five for yeah. years perhaps. But having said that, he got some starts and they just, they all seem to get, like Vince was the same, they seem to get starts and yeah. um, they didn't turn them into, into centuries, into big centuries. Yeah, yeah, you look at... Um, you look at Broad, he had a pretty ordinary summer. Showed glimpses, but, you know, for a bloke of his quality, he needs to do it more consistently. Anderson took 17 wickets, but at times didn't look interested. Yeah, he ball... picked, and cho- picked and chose his moments, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's a ball. If he could identify that the ball wasn't going to do a lot, he was out. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. didn't look. See, I still, generally, or you work off test cricket, there's six batsmen. Uh, two, two usually just don't get starts. They get out early. Yep. Four get starts. Out of that four, you just hope two go on and make hundreds. That's yeah. sort of like the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't. They just couldn't regularly find those two batsmen to go on and make big scores. Nah, and they 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 really suffered um, in their bowling attack. Their first change bowlers and second change bowlers were poo. Really, I don't. I yeah. can't see um, the young fellow who played in this one, Curran. He's not. Yeah. A, he's not a test first changer. Um, and Wokes doesn't really excite me that much. So who I don't know who they got. I, I don't really care who they got coming through. But find out um, in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Apart from Broad and Anderson on the front line, well, um, yeah. Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it hasn't fully prepared us. I don't reckon for that um, Test series going to South Africa because that's that's going to be. Oh, I don't know whether you've seen much of their. We bang on about our pace attack. I don't know whether you've seen much of their pace attack, but it's lethal. <laughs> well, was it? I, I can't remember exactly, but Mornay Michael didn't play a hell of a lot um, of recent times. When they come here, I don't think he played. I think he was injured from memory. He was a bit injured. Yeah. Um, and he's terrorising them now. Yeah. Um, of Philander, yeah. Stain, and that Rabada who's just come on the scene as well. Yeah. yeah they're, abs- they're lethal, those blokes. Yeah, he was one of the best performed bowlers in the, in the yeah. last year. So. Gee whiz, um, they'll know a bit about it, I reckon, when they hit South Africa, the Aussies. Well, it'll be, yeah, well, it depends on what they pick their side on. I mean, this is... This if is they the... go and pick their side off uh, BBL cricket, they're going to be in all sorts, oh, which is what, they, what they're sort of... The, the thing I don't understand, Roscoe, is at the start of the summer, they basically pick Sean Marsh on the back of his um, uh, Matador Cup or his one-day yep. form. Yep, That's correct? Yep. Why isn't he in the one-day squad now? <laughs> like what, what, what's he done um, other than make a couple of hundreds at test level? Yeah. Um, the, the, it's once again like there's a couple of issues with that selection. I know we have we went hard with them early and then we've let them off the hook a little bit, but yeah. the non-selection of Maxwell who you know got told to go away and make runs oh. um, in the red ball form, which he, which he did. Yep. And then you know he's made a heap of runs and then he's told that he's got to train smarter. Yeah, I don't. Look, I think sometimes you can be well-placed to talk about selection for test cricket because it's it's a bit clearer as to what's required and um, where you want to get to, what tours you've got coming up. But if if you're trying to dissect how and decipher how they're going to pick a one-day squad, I mean, good luck. I, I reckon you need a degree to be able to even get to first base with it, because it's just the beggars' belief, honestly. Him, I don't really don't know how Maxwell missed out. Well, 
There's obviously him missing out, but getting in is Chris Lynn. He doesn't even play one day cricket for and, Queensland. And can't throw. And can't throw and has a calf strain. <laughs> They're going to just try and hide him in the field. They've been trying to, McCollum's been hiding him in the field in the BBL. Mm, mm. Um, and then even the one day, uh, the, the, in regards to test match cricket, like John Holland's taken more wickets than anyone else in the last 18 months and doesn't even look like any possibility of playing any cricket for Australia in any form. Can we just, I don't think we've touched on that in the last couple of pods. How John Holland missed out on even a squad selection for that fifth test is an absolute disgrace. Yeah, I don't know what he's done wrong or... Um, but going back further than that, Roscoe, they um, they flew O'Keefe out in that last series overseas where when he was, he was suspended, suspended by... Yeah, he was suspended by New South Wales cricket for a, <laughs> uh alcohol field incident. And, oh. Uh, it was not... He basically couldn't play for New South but could play for Australia. <laughs> so... It, oh, mate, yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, you just oh. yeah they the the thing that people I've heard mentioned which uh, not pissed me off but the you know it's winning it's it, it's a good formula because because they're winning well they've beaten the piss poor England this series yeah but like going back over the last series before that we uh, drew with Bangladesh yeah we lost to India India we beat a, a very poxy, poor Pakistan team. Yeah. We lost to South Africa here. We lost to Sri Lanka before that. So, at the last six series, we've won two two series. So, it's yeah. not hang your hat on, oh, we, we know best, you know, these abstract selections. We've got no no issue as long as the general public, and more so probably the players, are aware of what the exact selection criteria is <laughs> to get picked. Well, that's the funny thing about it, Fix, because we know about as much... Well, we know as much about the selection process as those players who miss. As Maxi does, yeah. Um, and and like you said, winning can wallpaper over a lot of cracks. So yep. by no means are they off the hook. There is a big watch on the selectors how they how they go about it. Um, but it's just I. Um, I agree. I think we could be in for a rude awakening in South Africa, I reckon, because yeah. it's going to be brutal, like you said before. Yeah. Bloody hell. Like, And let's picture for a moment if Steve Smith managed or happened to get injured in some way, shape or form. Well, um, come to the party middle order because you have got to help yeah. the job ahead of you. Yeah, you won't be getting these drop-in, benign, uh, batting-friendly <laughs> wickets over there. I can give you the tip. Bloody That's bloody one thing they on. won't be doing. yeah. I can roll into Johannesburg with a suspecting the ball to just come on the bat nicely. Well, good luck, boys. You all you'll see out in the middle of the wicket will be uh, white lines and stumps. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> oh, but I guess we should touch on um, Steve Smith was taking the piss for a fair bit of it, and um, we, you know we've said that quite a bit through, throughout the summer. Um, I don't think I don't know what your thoughts are, but I've never seen a bloke be able to come in from ball one and just hit it like he's having a net session from ball. Yeah, it's a it's a weird setup because um, obviously when you have even going back to local park cricket, uh, you know the openers go out, the first drop puts all his gear on, a couple of throwdowns out the back, and you know maybe a bit of a hit in the nets in the morning, and then wait for your turn to bat. You see the next batsman in with the Australian team, and they're sitting on that balcony. Yep. You just wonder how, and, and if you sit there for a long time, you wonder how you actually get your eye in. 
if that makes sense. Like you go from sitting there for two hours watching the openers bat to bang straight out and you're in, yeah. uh, facing 100 and, oh, with it. Pommy Bowles, it's only 130 clicks, but it is an adjustment where he does seem to go. And he looks like he's been in the nets all morning, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He's just, I've never seen a bloke be able to do it. Even guys have been in super form um, and you can reel off as many as you like. I reckon opposition bowlers would have always thought that they're a chance to get them early. Yeah. Um, with Steve Smith, you need greater chance early than you are at any other stage in his innings. No, you just need a lot of luck at yeah. the moment. The way he bats, you just need a lot of luck. Absolutely. Um, the Marsh Brothers fix? Yeah. I, geez, I wish I did buy more of those shares when we were talking about it, about show three. <laughs> I, was a, I was a closet uh, Mitch Marsh fan then. And yeah. uh, I always liked him. I think he needs opportunity. I think we need a, a bigger body of work. Yeah. Um, you know, probably need to put together three three series and then make a bit more, we'll get a bit better idea where he is. But um, he was, you know, he's probably out of this test the only batsman with the ability to score real quickly, or not quickly. real quickly, but yeah, quickly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He looked um, like a one who could push it, um, get the, the score moving fairly rapidly. Um, on, I'd like to see him as he as he continues to, to string more cricket together, be able to pound in for twenty five overs and innings as yep. a full rounder, and maybe chip in with. Doesn't need to get a bag, just one or two, just to take a bit of the heat off. Uh, yeah, you know the 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 quicks, so we can keep them in the team, basically. It just one, he could be one of those batsmen that just needed that series to get under his belt and feel like he belongs there, and yeah, uh, take a bit of pressure off and just enjoy his batting. And uh, that's what he looks like. He looks like he belong. He feel he looks like he feels he belongs in the, uh, the Australian yeah. side at the moment. And Sean Marsh after um, uh, the world record. Holding now holding the world record in resurrections into the test team, um, yep. still has a cover drive to die for. So yep. uh, he's probably he had a fantastic son. So he's going nowhere fast. I would have thought he's he's. Um, oh, even if he, even if he does, he's still got probably three or four more recalls into that side. <laughs> <laughs> he's he definitely could, an opportunity to get go yeah. out and come back in at some stage he multiple could times. Cock the next four te- test series up, and he'd still be in there. I think. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to see. Obviously, both of them, you know, sort of in a way, had the whole of Australia uh, not against them, but yeah. they, were, they were under some serious pressure. And um, it takes a fair bit of character to do what they did. I, I'm actually happy for them to see that they've they've uh, both responded and made runs, and yep. um, it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting one for me, and we, we want to just move on to the South African tour for a little bit. Um, the interesting one, and I had a, a, a question from one of our listeners, Benny Watts, the other day. Um, how, where does Bancroft sit in the whole scheme of things? Now, I've got a bit of an opinion. I think he'll go to, to South Africa simply by virtue of the fact he's a, he's a bit of a hard nut. Um, I, I don't think um, being a short legger counts against him. I think that's a, a bit of a bonus for him, as, as funny as that sounds. I know he's in there for, more for his batting, but I reckon yeah. I just get the feeling they're looking at a bit of continuity at the top of the order. I reckon they're just starting to get a bit of a a bit of a relation uh, opening relationship going him and Warner. So I, I reckon they might be looking to stay at that. I, I'm not sure how you read it. He, he I think he'll go as well. Yeah. I definitely think he'll go, and it's. Mine's more so on the fact that who, who's going to force him out. Um, yeah. There'll be two months of basically no shield cricket and 
no one really to thrust their name in front of the selectors. Well, if um, if someone can put their hand up in the Big Bash final, perhaps they might. Yeah. <laughs> but the, actual, the irony of it that makes me last is the the three. There was basically four uh, contentious decisions at the start of the the series, which was um, oh, sorry, four, there was four selections, three real contentious ones, which was both the Marsh brothers and um, uh, Tim Payne coming in. Those yep. were the three that. The fourth one, uh, the selection change was Bancroft, and Bancroft was the way. He was basically the one that forced his way in with a way to runs. Yeah, absolutely. He was the only one that generally, out of those four, probably you know that people were rooting for to get in that side and had no qualms about. Yeah. Um, and the other three that were under more heat um, had performed a lot better than him. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. And I don't think you want to get into the habit as an opening batsman of getting bowled through the gate too often. No, nah, I watched that dismissal and I thought. This is probably um, the the biggest sign of, of how big the leap is from state cricket to test cricket. Like you, he had an out of form Stuart Broad bowling to him. Um, yeah. You know, nevertheless, a, a world class Stuart Broad. He's a very good yeah. bowler. Um, that's a a ball he may be able to get away with. It's in, in state level, perhaps. Yeah. May yeah. hit the edge of his bat and, and trickle out to the onside, but. Um, he's probably got a little bit of work to do before he, he tours South Africa, I would have thought, just to tighten that up a little bit. Yeah. Those, as we mentioned, those four bowlers earlier are in a lot better nick at the moment than Stuart Broad. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get the scrutiny. That's part of test cricket. He'll, yeah. you know, they'll do their homework and you get every nth of your game gets analysed and uh, they look for any opportunity to exploit your weaknesses. Absolutely. And he gets an opportunity to go over there and that's, you know, that's probably a make or break. For the immediate future of him, anyway. I reckon so, mate. I, I, I reckon if he has a substandard start, they may be just looking to, um, you know, Sean Marsh could find himself opening the bat. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, well, you, well, it's not as silly as it sounds. That's probably the next option. <laughs> uh, uh, unbelievable. That. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah. Um, the. Just probably just moving on to our, our footy section. If you've got nothing further to add on the nah, cricket, nah, that's it for me, mate. For the cricket, for the uh, for the next little while. Yeah, I just wanted to let our listeners know about uh, we're going to run a I like the cut of your jib footy tipping comp this year. Exciting. Yeah, it is. It's I'm I've got full. You've given me full um, power over yep. this competition to yep. run it, and as I see fit, you have carte blanche, um, mate. Yeah, so what we've looked at is obviously the two hosts will be in it, which is yep. uh, both of us. Uh, our two sponsors, Pliny, uh, and also one other that's getting close to being signed probably in the next week, which yep. we can't announce here, but we will. Uh, and then we're going to throw it open to six listeners. Um, so we'll have it, it'll be a 10 men or 10 men or female um, uh, footy tipping comp. Yep. So the six listeners we'll throw it open to. Um, they're basically required to uh, review our show on iTunes, giving you a hint. You'd be looking closer to the five star than the one star. <laughs> to get if you to know what's run, good for you. <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Um, you have to share our page on Facebook. And also, the other one is to offer up a prize. So each okay. of our 10, including us, um, yep. part of being in the footy tipping comp is you have to offer up something that's unique or it doesn't have to be necessarily expensive or something of sentimental value or 
Um, Dixon, so would, you, to... would you say, to, to coin a phrase from the 12th man, maybe some memorabilia beer? Yeah, memorabilia <laughs> beer. Which I've been eyeing off. There's a, for example, like there's a, a 1988 Wangaratta Rovers Premiership port, which oh. I saw in mum and dad's cupboard at home. So, that's, so we're sort of looking at something yep. like that. Yep. Um, you may offer up something from work, a voucher, if you, if you want to go down that road. But basically we'll... Um, uh, just private message to show, and uh, we'll gradually each week, starting from next week on Facey, we'll release one of our contestants and a little bio on them. Yeah. Um, the variation on the footy tipping comp, Ross, is it's a uh, a total points setup. So, trying to explain this as simple as I can, so that obviously it'll be the nine games. So basically, if you pick, um, so round one, it, round one fix, I take uh, Richmond to beat Carlton. Why twenty four points? No, no, you don't pick a margin. You just say Richmond uh, over right Carlton. On. Yep. For example, Richmond win. Yep. I say forty seven points. Yep. You get forty seven points. Uh, okay. Yes. I'm so with... if someone else in the comp picks Carlton, they're minus forty seven points. Right. So each week you add up that minus. Yeah, right. Eh? Could, some weeks you could be actually in the negative. You pick. Yeah. You could pick eight winners, and the one you miss might win by one hundred and eighty points, and you might end up in the negative. So yeah, good. Um, it'll give me an hour or two to sort of fill in during the week running <laughs> that, but um, I think it's just something a little bit different instead of your stock standard footy tipping comp, something a little bit uh, different to make it a bit more exciting. So there's obviously those six spots for the listeners. Um, review on iTunes, share on our share our page on Facey, um, and offer up a prize. So you just PM PM the page and. Um, We'll have some interaction there with Facebook and Twitter yeah. at some stage down the track. But get involved, listeners. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun, and um, we think we can. Uh, yeah, it'll, we'll, we'll certainly have some <laughs> unbelievable prize package. Oh, it'll be. Um, well, it'll be a ten, uh, a cachet of ten uh, <laughs> unique, unique prizes. <laughs> the winner takes all. Yes, indeed. I like so, it. Yeah, get, get creative. Um, We'll obviously look at it all. I'll I'll sign off on it, but Roscoe yeah. will be aware of what's been offered up, and yep. um, hopefully we come up with something good. Yep, absolutely. Get involved, guys. Yep. Now, Steve Jerica nominations this week. Roscoe, have you I got any floating around? I do have one, and and this guy, he's very lucky he wasn't nominated just before Christmas. Um, yep. He was on. There was a big watch on this bloke, and there's been a lot of press about him um, since the season finished. This week's nomination for the Stephen Jurica Award goes to Luke Hodge. Oh, yeah, right. Hodgie, Hodgie. Um, in one or two photographs, I know he's living in a very warmer climate now, but um, inexplicably photographed uh, a training without a shirt. Uh, yep. Did have the GPS bra on, so yeah, that's probably, stock standard. Yeah, and it's in the end may have counted against him a little bit. Um, getting a lot of press, as Hodgie would do. But um, I think you've done enough. Luke Hodges, you're uh, the Stephen Jerica nomination for me this right. podcast. That's good to see the older bloke getting a nomination. Well, I just think sometimes they they probably just think, well, look, I've been around a little while. Um, you know, things were a lot different when I started, but some things stay the same, and you've got to have a big pre-season and get the guns out and um, let everyone know how well you're travelling. Yep. Yeah, no, I like that. I like the tan sort of look as well with the Steve Jerica Award. Now, <laughs> Did you have one, Fix? Yeah, I had one at stock standard this time of year. You get the time trial specialists. 
Um, <laughs> Tom Skelly in the $10 million tag. Yeah. Uh, he's flying. Sam Gibson at the Crows has to bloody win him to try and get a game round one. Uh, Tom Phillips at Collingwood. Uh, this is the third year in a row he's won. Yep. Um, he doesn't exactly sort of fully fit the Steve Draker uh, qualification because uh, in 2015, 2016, he played 24 games in total for those two years. Yeah, so yeah. that's the sort of look we're after. And then last year he played 18. So he's not oh. going to train his, train his way in on the back of a preseason. <laughs> but no. the nomination this week, and call me biased, but it's a Melbourne player, which I've, uh, I don't think I've nominated any so far. I love the preseason player that's got a point to prove that has to train their way into round one because of a off-field incident or a, a little misdemeanor oh, in the previous I year. I think I know where you're heading with this, and I like yeah. it. Yeah, now little Tommy Bug uh, <laughs> threw, a, threw, a, threw a cheapy uh, Friday night against the Swans at the MCG and uh, incurred the wrath of the football public and his teammates and yep. uh, the general football world. Death threats. Yep, yeah, he copped, he copped the full whack and uh, he wasn't seen again for, for last season. But despite the fact that Tom McDonald uh, had both ankles reconstructed and is a specialist 2K time trialist at Melbourne, <laughs> Tommy Bug, train, or he's been training well enough uh, and got his body in good enough, Nick, that he won the 2K time trial uh, completed in the last week. Good work, Tommy. I love someone that on the back of that, could be in there round one where you always see those people, at, especially at local footy, you know, the bloke that doesn't miss a training session, as fit as he's ever been, and the coach is like, yep, we're going to have to play him round yeah, one. Yeah, and um, that's what it's about. That's what the Stephen Jerica Award is about. Did, he wasn't sporting, because what I'm thinking could um, edge him into favouritism. Did he have any new tattoos this preseason, did you notice anything? I, I haven't seen anything in that way, no. And I don't know whether he's got a, a number two or three firebreaker haircut. Uh, <laughs> he's got that trimmed up because that was, <laughs> as we're well aware, that was one of Steve Jerica's favourite tricks. But um, I just love that bloke that just comes back with a redemption and yeah. uh, everyone's off him and he's just yeah. like, shit, I'm going to have to work my ass off and get back in, and yeah. um, which is brilliant to see. Good work, Tom. Yeah, now, now aside that, in, that, yeah. before we leave the Steve Drake Award, um, stay tuned to the Facebook page and to Twitter. Um, in the next few weeks, uh, there will be a Stephen Jerica trophy for that particular award. So, Ooh, right, just watch this space on that one. Um, yep. stay tuned. Uh, and if we can, I, I'm not sure how hard this is going to be. We've got some connections around the place. We want to get the winner of the Steve Jerica Award, we want to deliver that award if we can. Yeah, I, I can't see why not. No, I don't think I don't think there's any reason why we can't either. So, um, you know, get the shirts off, boys, and, and start pumping yourself up in the media and um, on social media in particular. And um, it could be coming to your mantle, please. Sun's out, guns out. <laughs> now, our side in focus this week. I know we'll have a lot of avid Carlton fans tuning in just to hear our take on them. Um, yeah. They obviously didn't have the the best year in terms of uh, where they finished. They were 16, six wins, 16 losses. Yep. Um, in this uh, this preseason's come Darcy Lang, who come from Geelong and Kennedy. Loby uh, Mullet was discarded from North Melbourne. Uh, out goes Gibbs. And I'll also put in there, because he's out for the season with a, uh, a knee injury, is Doherty, who's a, he is a big loss. So he won't play any footy this year, you wouldn't think. Yep. Um, and I had their strengths, uh, not surprisingly, the, the stockpiling of young talent that they've done. 
Um, they had five Rising Star Award winners um, last year, um, which I think is the most ever recorded other than GWS in maybe their first year. I think they had a fair few yep. for obvious reasons. Um, Marchbank, Petrescu, Seaton, Silvani, Kerno. Uh, there's also McKay there that hasn't played a great deal of footy. Um, I think they're they're building for a good uh, period, in it, but it's not obviously not going to come this year. But I think they're putting the the, the building blocks in place to be you know pretty strong in two maybe three years. We might start to see the the results improve. Yeah. What are your thoughts on their strengths, mate? Um... I put one of their strengths as their coach. Yep. I think he's an outstanding operator. Brendan Bolton never gets phased, or he, he does get phased in the coach's box, but um, I just think he's an ideal coach for the group they've got. Um, he's uh, he's a really good community. Just by seeing some of their videos on their website um, with the playing group, he's a really good communicator. and um, I He think seems he's, to be a good teacher. Oh, he's outstanding. I reckon just the way... Just the way he's able to relate to them um, and, and be able to uh, get the message across. Um, I had another strength is the turnover of their list, which you, you touched on there, but um, probably Steve Silvani can take the credit for this. Um, and it's been well publicised how he was able to uh, have his say there. The young guns, um, you know, some of the best in the comp. And you mentioned him more there, Fix, and, and throw Cripps into that. He's only a young fella still. Yep. Um, and the fact that they're either trading for guys who are going to play or could quite possibly play round one. Um, yeah. You know, we mentioned when, when we analysed the trade period that they were the probably the big winner. So um, yep. they've done really well. A strength I had for Carlton, and I, I'm going to touch on I don't know if you've, you've ever heard Lee Matthews talk about um, his rule that he's got when he analyses clubs who he thinks could improve um, the next year. And, and he, he looks at who are the sides who lost close games the previous year? Oh, yeah. Um, yep. So I'm usually, I usually refer to his more goals in minutes yeah. than most close games. That's, that's, that's the, generally the Lee Matthews rule that's more well-known. Yeah, that's the one they bring out nearly every single game where he's commentating. But yep. um, he does look at who were sides that um, lost some close ones, and uh, not necessarily one or two points, but, you know, around that yep. two or three goal goals. Mark. Yeah. Um, and Carlton did lose quite a few of those games. They weren't blown out of the water in many games either. Yeah. So I think that's going to hold them in pretty good stead for, um, you know, they're closer to that um, destination they want to get to than they are the, the end. So um, that's sort of how I rated their strengths. Yeah. I, I think they're, they're prepared to bite the bullet and be prepared to take a couple of steps back before they, and get it structurally set up um, instead of a half a rebuild and, try and be competitive. It looks like they're prepared to take their medicine, yeah. um, put the building blocks in place and, and yeah. move forward. Yeah. Obviously, the, the biggest weakness for me is their attack. Yeah. Um, I think they only had three games this year where they kicked over 12 goals, um, which is just going to make it too tough to win games. Um, yeah. Devoid of a, 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 you know, you need at least a 40-plus sort of forward that you can, you know, throw in with a couple of blokes around that can kick that 20-plus, 20, 20 to 30. Mm. Um, they haven't even got that 40-plus goal kicker at the moment. Um, uh, Kerno will be the interesting one whether um, they look to play him forward or in the midfield, but he's someone that can be that player uh, yeah. moving forward. But uh, they just don't seem to have the avenue to goal to be able to 
to be able to kick big scores, which puts you obviously puts you in positions to win games. Yeah, I, I had the same thing. Fix um, defensively, it's almost the model uh, rebuild in terms of right. Let's get the defensive side of things fixed up and, and work from there. So they've, they've done that. They've brought their their average points against uh, down. You know, fairly. Uh, Consistently over that little period, but they, like you said, they just need to score. Yep. They just need to find avenues to goal. Um, so you know, and part of that, another weakness, they're just not. They haven't been consistent enough. Yeah. Um, for seasons, they, they do have like a. They might have a two or three a month block where they do play some pretty good footy, but they need to string that together for two three months. Yeah, um, I think once you get those players in the sixty to eighty game bracket as well, that's when things start. You start to get those more consistent week to week performances as well. Yeah, well, that's a good point. They they're probably getting a few in that bracket now, so that's going, only going to help them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Who was um, your player to watch, mate? Oh, I put pressure on last week and last one with the youngster, and I've done it again this one. Charlie Kerno. Oh yeah. I just oh, he's got a lot to like. Um, he was second. In their contested marks, third in their goal kicking, you know he only averages around that fourteen to fifteen touches a game. But yeah, you, know, you just see players that have just got that quality. Um, you just know once they start to get more of the ball, and he's not going to be a uh, like a Gary Ablett in terms of forty touch player. But his twenty or twenty five is going to win them games moving forward. Like them, you know, in the next couple of years. So I just I don't want to put pressure on him. I don't know where where they'll play him. That's the other thing. Well. Um, and we haven't colluded on this before, but I had him as my player to watch too. Um, and where did you think that they'd play him? Oh, well, it's hard to say. If they can get McKay up and going up forward, I think they'd love to get Kerno into the midfield a bit more. I still see him as a uh, 70-30 um, forward mid because I yep. think he just he's in the modern game, he's going to do some damage as a roaming um, sort of uh, half forward in in between the goals and the fifty sort of sort of player. He's just, but he's got that big. He's got a midfield tank. He could play at centre forward and, and play as an ex like that fifth mid if if he was required. So he's a he's a freak, mate. Absolutely yeah, freak. Sort of a Pavlich type, I reckon. Yeah, where he's going to oh. be that could play forward and and that was always the mail. That was always the mail on him two fix when he was playing under 18s That um. When he was at Geelong Falcons, he he would play up forward and even down back sometimes. But everyone kept saying, "No, he's going to end up a mid. He's going to end up a gun mid." So yeah, um, it looks like it could go that way. Yeah, now I love seeing the young players, and um, they've got a few come. They like I think they're, they're going to be fine in another couple of years. But um, as the players like him hit that, as we were talking before, that sixty to eighty game mark, uh, the next couple of years, he's he's got potential to become a very good player of the competition. Yeah. yeah. I tipped one of his mates under the bus for the uh, player that he had on. Good, which good. I, I don't like. To, and he's a number one draft pick too. Um, more by circumstances is Jacob Wiedering. Okay, interesting. Um, I just don't think he's been done any favours with the, the way they've thrown him around. And they're, they're basically every... Well, he's only played the last couple of years, but they're basically, you know, he's a swing man at the moment. We think he can go forward. We're playing him back at the moment, but he could end up forward. We have to use him up forward. There's a lot of not mixed message, but a lot of inconsistency in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, like at the start of the year, he kicked three against Richmond round one, and then he's down back. And he, he reminds me a lot of the way Essendon used Michael Hurley early in his career. They knew he was a good player, 
Yep. But they sort of couldn't find a spot and settle him in that one spot. And I think now you've seen Hurley, obviously, a lot later in his career, he's become a permanent defender. Yep. Um, and he's he's just he's like one of the better defenders in the comp now. He's settled down. He knows his craft. I just think they need to teach him um, yeah. a, a, an actual craft that he can master and then move him forward instead of being a bit part back and throw him forward and then throw him on a wing. And I just think he needs to get – I think it would be better for his confidence. This yeah. is only me looking from outside. Um, to get him settled in the position, get him comfortable at the level um, and then start – you know, then start adding extra um, components to his game. So I just, I think at the moment they're just trying to get too much out of him and stretch him too far. And I just don't think he's he's found his niche in that side, and he doesn't look um, not comfortable. But I just think they could be getting a lot more out of him if they handled him a little bit differently. Yeah, so it's I, probably not a, a big knock on him, but yeah. um, I think I it was think more this, by necessity, wasn't it, that he went forward just due to one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it is. But um, um, yeah. I, I, I actually I think he's one of the better he'll he'll be one of the better defenders in the competition. He's a defender. I I, I just reckon he's an out and out defender. And um, well, that's where I think they need to settle him, but settle yeah. him there for a couple of years because he's, he's still a lot of the the messages coming out of Carlton. He's we're playing him down back, but we think he's going to be a forward. Yeah. Well, how about we get him as a as a defender and get him to to learn a craft and. Yeah, and then look at swinging him around. I reckon it's putting a lot of pressure on him. Oh, that's yeah. only me from the outside. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think he reads the game beautifully as a backman, um, and brings others into the game. Surely that's that's going to make them a better team and um, will help their structure. I would have thought. And, and obviously, again, you mentioned for Blake who hasn't played a lot of footy, but um, McKay can can really straighten them up a, a fair bit there. I think. Um, yeah, I like the look at him when he can get his body right and, and play a big block. Yeah, my um, my under the pump, and it's by no means in in reference to his ability or his form, but just his body. Um, Patrick Cripps, yep, just needs that. Carlton just need him to play a full year. Yeah, um, I know he played. He strung a few games together last year, but when he broke his leg, I think it was against Melbourne that game where he kicked. I think he kicked someone's leg or, or something along those lines in a game of the MCG. Carlton won one of their last seven games. Yeah. So, um, you know, they've desperately missed him. He's an absolute superstar, Patrick Cripps. Um, I think the importance of him was Shane Roscoe in the off-season by making that big play for Kennedy yep. from the GWS. Like, they bat a little bit thin. Yeah. I think they're in the bottom bottom handful of contested possessions. Yep. Um, and when you lose a bloke like that, that's going to have a pretty big bearing on that as well. Yeah, contested footy is king, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, you need to be able to get your hands on it. Bloody vital. Yeah, so he was mine, mate. I, I rate him so highly, and I'm sure Carlton supporters love him, but um, they'd love 23 games out of him. Yeah. Yeah, he's... I don't know. He's, he's, you see some players that early in their career, they get a couple, and you start getting a little bit stressed, and then they don't have an injury. Well, I think um, Selwood had two shoulder recos by the time he was 20, and he? And yeah, true. Yeah, He very rarely misses footy now, and he's mm-hmm. as contested ball uh, pig as you'll see. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, yeah, for Carlton supporters, he does. I I can't see him finishing any higher than this year. I'd have him in that, you know, 15, 14, 15 to 18, probably possibly close to 18. Well, the loss of Doherty is a big one. Yeah, that's the, that's the big one for him. He's such a good player and sets him up. But I'm taking it. I'm. This is the first gamble I'm going to take. Fix. 
I'm gonna. I think Carlton can improve to an eight, eight somewhere between eight and twelve this year. Oh, gee whiz! Yeah. Well, I'm a bit about. I just and it's it's heavily reliant on on their young blokes um, coming along reasonably um, quick, but um, I just think they've got something there. It's not that you spend every day at work with one of the most parochial supporters in Wangaratta, is it? Borker Rock. He He's loves just the blues. Down, is he? he loves the blues, mate. <laughs> I was going to throw in uh, a new segment on the end, or not a segment, but a question on the end of this, because I uh, see the TAB, not that we promote uh, gambling in any way, shape or form. Well, we do. Responsible gambling. And yeah. <laughs> all the usual disclaimers that you put at the end of it. Uh, they brought out their uh, un- over and under margins for the year yep. and I was going to attack them on just at the end of each of our clubs as we go through them they had Carlton at six and a half um, which means seven wins or more so I don't really? know whether you're yeah so that's six and a half whether you're obviously over it yeah yeah, I am, yeah now I'm under I yeah. think they'll win six six or less I reckon uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit bullish about them I think um, I just yeah it, I know there's a lot of variables that come into it. You know, Cruiser's got to have a full season. Murphy's got to have another good year. But it just could be the year where they just find a little bit. Yeah, I, I think when you've got a list that young, you can start the year well and then yeah. um, things can deteriorate. If, if you get wins in the bank early, you get to the middle of the year when it turns into a slog and that's when you start dropping games. So to get that, as you're saying, that 8-12, they really need to get off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, oh, the arse will fall out at some stage. Don't worry yeah. about them. <laughs> that happens with kids, so. Um, all right, well, we'll, uh, we might just take a quick break and then come back with uh, Roscoe's five. Sounds good, mate. All right, I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Right.